So it was just after David had officially been crowned king over Israel in Hebron. And he leads this military campaign into the territory of the Jebusites. And they take the capital city, Jebus. They take it quickly, and as they go in there and begin to set up base, David looks around and he says, this, this place is going to be my new home. And so he begins a huge building project. They, they rebuild the walls. They refortify the strongholds. He builds a palace for himself. And this city gets a new name. Because from then on, we don't call it Jebus. Nobody knows Jebus. But there isn't anyone that doesn't know Jerusalem. Now, he begins to undertake uh, another big building project. He starts acquiring materials and making plans to build a house for God. But it's not until his son Solomon becomes king that that project actually begins in earnest. And when it's finished and this magnificent temple is built, Solomon stands and dedicates it. And among the things that he says, he says, Before today, the Lord had not chosen a tribe or a city to dwell in. But today, he's chosen Jerusalem to be his home, to live among the people. Oh, Jerusalem. It's a magnificent city. The splendor and the glory of God here on earth. The closest that you can get to it anyway. I mean, people travel from all over to see Solomon's temple, to see the majestic everything about Jerusalem. And it began to stand for something even more than really what it was. It had a special place in the hearts of all of the people of God. Those that lived there especially, but even those that would, um, that would travel to go worship at the temple. And that's why, when the Babylonians came, it was such a punch to the gut when Jerusalem fell and the temple was destroyed and the people were taken off in captivity. But it's also why, when the people were allowed to come back to the land with Ezra and Nehemiah, it was one of the first things they did was to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem. And when it came back, when they built it again, it wasn't quite the same as it was before, but there was still so much promise, so much opportunity. Maybe this will be the place, maybe God will return, and this will be the shining light to the world once again. And as, as I've talked about before, this, this incarnation of Jerusalem had some difficulties. It had to suffer under Greek rule. It had to go through the process of Hellenization. Then there was a period of time where it was actually under Jewish rule again. Um, and then finally the Romans come and they take over. And it ends up being this place of somewhat prominence in its region. The capital city of the province of Judea. The temple got some love. It looks pretty nice. The priesthood is in place. Um, there's commerce. There's people. There's excitement. It looks to be like it's on its way um, of showing a lot of promise, a lot of hope for being the, one, the great city that it once was. Now, those of you that know me know that I have a very particular affinity for this city, Dallas. Um, some people, I mean, I even say it's, it's kind of, um, there, there's not really much sense behind it, I suppose, but, <laughs> but I do. Um, 
when I talk about this, Megan wants me to remind everybody that when, when I proposed to her, I compared my love to her to my love to this city. <laughs> it is the truth. I love her more. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, part of it is just because this is where I'm from. It's my home. Um, but it's, it's also a pretty large city and a city with pretty big significance. I remember being in, I don't know, middle school or high school and beginning to read books about Dallas history. Like, my city is big enough, important enough to have its own history. And I love the ones that had the pictures of what the place used to look like, buildings that used to be. Um, and I just love the stories, stories about John Neely Bryan coming and setting up his trading post here by the Trinity, or Sarah Cockrell operating the ferry across the river, uh, the Sanger Brothers bringing commerce into the city. Um, a failed French utopian colony just outside that when it collapsed brought all kinds of artisans into Dallas to really bring in culture for the first time. And just why, it's just, it's just an amazing story to me. This city that is so big and so prominent that has such promise in it. It's not on a coast. We are not near any navigable water there is nothing of geographical significance nearby. We have no natural resources. <laughs> this is a city that willed itself into existence. As if God himself... <laughs> I love talking about Dallas. I love the history. There's this problem, though, is that when I'm talking about it with people that are not from here, people that don't live here, there's this, there's this, there's this one thing that everybody else knows about Dallas, and it's like the only thing that they know about Dallas, and they want to focus on that as if that like defines this place, and it's because on November twenty second in nineteen sixty three, when President Kennedy was assassinated. He happened to be in Dallas at the time. And that, to so many other people, is the story of the city, the thing of significance that happened here. People talk about Dealey Plaza. I want to talk about how great Dealey Plaza is, the triple underpass, the gateway to the city, named after the founder of the Dallas Morning News. No, this is the place where Kennedy was shot. And people, there is a certain feeling of anger directed toward Dallas. I don't know if it's still perceptible, but I've always felt it as if the rest of the world blames us, blames this city for what happened. And growing up, I just didn't see it. I always said, no, that's a fluke. It was just a thing that happened. And it's, it's completely separate from this place. But as I continued to grow up, and as I continued to read more histories... Um, I realized that probably the ones with all the pictures in it that I read when I was younger were produced by the Visitors and Convention Bureau. Um, and they left out a lot of stories that are in other books, books like The Accommodation or White Metropolis or um, Dallas 1963. Because it tells a different part of the story that is left out tells the story of a city that was ruled by overt racists. 
R.L. Thornton, who the I-30 going through Dallas is named after, who was the reason that we got the 1936 Centennial Exposition here, who was running president of the State Fair for a while, mayor of Dallas for a while, very prominent statesman, was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Did you know that we had these freedmen's towns in and around Dallas, one in West Dallas, one in what's now called Uptown, um, one in Lake Highlands, that up, up until the 1950s didn't even have running water? The 1950s in Dallas. The black families that were upwardly mobile that began to move into white neighborhoods, a lot of them got bombed. In the 60s, as there's all this turmoil going on in the rest of the world, it's going on here too. And the hate that is spewed out in the Dallas Morning News, that is coming from the pulpits of some churches, that is being broadcast over the radio, there's just all of this paranoia and fear and hatred. And it makes me sad. That's my city. And, and I'm serious. I, would, I wish I could go back in time. I wouldn't go back in time and like try to stop the Kennedys from coming to, to Dallas. I really think that would have been a good thing. I want to stop and go back and, and, and talk to Dallas and be like, guys, look at yourselves. Look into your soul. See what you're becoming. Don't do this. Don't be this place of hate. So, we're doing our series on Lent right now. It's called uh, Path of Obedience. We're following Jesus as he's making his way to Jerusalem, ultimately to the cross and the resurrection and getting to Easter. And Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem. And as he's going there, he's looking at the, he's looking forward to the city, and he sees all of that promise and magnificence that I had mentioned earlier. It's there, but he looks deeper. And what he sees in that beautiful temple is a corrupt priesthood that's taking advantage of the people, that's propped up by a corrupt government that is oppressing the people. And in the shadows, there are zealots. We would call them extremists or terrorists today that are plotting to overthrow. And then those that really want to be religious are, too, are so busy arguing among each other about what's more important and which laws matter and all of this. And he looks at Jerusalem and he sees hatred and fear and paranoia. And it breaks his heart.
her chicks under her wings and you were not willing how do you respond to this story this morning saying to you through this story.
what is the driving force for good and what is the driving force for uh, injustice that, that comes out of us. And I think um, being called into the story that Jesus was was telling of of justice for for oppressed people and and, and others um, and seeing ourselves more than than just individual pockets or individual families, but seeing ourselves as something more and engaging with that. And um, pleading with others like us to to see see what justice can do. This came to my mind when we were talking to you. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, <coughs> then I will hear from heaven and heal the earth. Like fear, fear being the first uh, 
rate is a person they don't recognize, a person they disagree with. You know, you're talking about bombings in neighborhoods. Like, this is changing. I'm afraid. I would like it not to change. Like, what can be done to affect that? Like, how can I stay essentially, if not on top, at least comfortable where I am? Um, so, I don't know, just to be, you know, I think that the people in this room kind of embrace that fear can be extinguished with love, but not a lot of people recognize that. And it is, seems threatening that their life could be enhanced by loving someone that they don't understand or have associated with before, but can't get there through the fear. So. <laughs> Yes, thank you for that. I'm struck by how uh, that the beginning of isolating oneself as a group, Mm -hmm. the beginning of Identifying we have something in common, which if you're not careful can lead to an othering, mm-hmm. and that that grows out of a sense of community hmm. and a sense of togetherness. So there's times I know that yeah. we're communities straight out of unhealthy things, but for Israel, right, um, for well-meaning churches, but oftentimes the beginning of that which leads to othering is the sense of we have something together. Um, which makes it really vitally important to always be looking towards people who aren't like you. Mm-hmm. Um, to always be asking the question, who, who are we unknowingly leaving out? Mm-hmm. Right? Not even not intentionally, yeah. not with maliciousness, but um, because I, it's easy for me to look at um, the Hebrew people, or Jerusalem, or Pharisees, or white supremacists, and sort of point at them. But I don't want to be going to Sarah's communion. Like I don't want to be so naive to think that I'm not doing the same thing, um, even if it's small and innocuous. It's not. And I think that ties into the, your comments earlier about the bigger story. Like, if, if we, we, we recognize what we have in common, what we have together as a community, but we understand that we're just one little outpost in this huge kingdom that is not reliant on the systems of this world, that doesn't operate within that. And that, I think, helps to overcome the fear where we're we see the big picture. I mean, I, I don't see any other way that Jesus could be obedient to the cross other than understanding the cosmic reason for what he was setting out to do. And, um, and so when you see it in that big picture and you know that um, it's not just us taking communion here or in the States, but all around the world and really throughout time that there's a, a common thread in the bigger picture that says, okay, 
that helps us put ourselves in thinking about otherness, which stretches and it's difficult, it's hard and it's uncomfortable, but it's, I think it's the reason why you know, we're called to that. My thoughts the past few days have been largely um, focused around what happened in New Zealand. Um, normally, these uh, when, when I hear you talk about Dallas, I feel that um, a similarity <coughs> in what you're saying because demographically, the person that chose to commit great acts of evil, demographically, he's not very different from me. He's relatively well off, similar age goes on the internet, likes memes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but he went down this path of true, pure evil. Mm-hmm. And I hear you professing your love for Dallas, just like mm-hmm. I like the communities that I'm in and the friends that I have, but I also see this person do something terrible from within it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, is that person a part of my community? Does that mean I have a responsibility to go out and try and help avert this from happening again, try and convince people to not go this path? Maybe am I being like Noah, I hear God's word, and I, I don't go and try and convince everybody, anybody to get on the ark or do their ways, I just get my family in the ark, ignore everything else, let everyone die, or when maybe I should be more like Abraham, when I plead for Solomon and Gomorrah, even though they're terrible. Um, but I don't know. I think it's uh, helpful in the context of Lent uh, to... Uh, to, to hear in the readings and in what you're doing that, that we have the opportunity to be a place of glory mm-hmm. or a place of the tears of Jesus mm-hmm. and that a part in that of the, kind of the daily examination is you know when in my day did I was I a, a, a temple of glory was I when was I that and when in the day was I um, someone who brought tears to the eyes of Jesus um and, and a church can do that kind of self-examination <coughs> any time, but I think that's a special time for that. Um, communities, but, but that's a part of a, I think a, this season is a, is a good process of that examination. Thanks.